The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 85 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods and science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands, your host for episode 85. It's been a while. Uh, I have to apologize first of all before we start this show because I got sick last episode. And so we didn't have a last episode. And Caroline was sick, so we couldn't have a last episode. Lino would have had to do it on his own and he wasn't keen and we understand why. And now Lino and Caroline are both sick. However, I'm very, very excited because it's been a while and I'm happy to reintroduce a good old, an original, an OG co-host of the show, Jerry Trapnell. How are you today? Welcome back to me, I guess. Yeah. Um, yes, you're right. It has been a while. Speaking of that. Yeah. I mean, we were both younger and fresher when you first started on this podcast, weren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think... We made I made it up to about when COVID hit, and then um, yes. my job as an accountant really basically pulled me in. So while a lot of people didn't have a whole lot to do, accountants got plenty to do during pandemic times, yeah. and that really just sucked the time out of my weeks, my weekends, and it just became... Yeah. Funnily enough, Lino came back on board about the same time I got, you know, <laughs> That's life right. got too busy for me to fit the, fit the podcast in, so it's almost like a seamless uh, fit, you know. Him in and me out. Yeah. And, and now, uh, that he, now that him and Caroline are out of, uh, funnily enough, the kids are away today. They're at a Marion retreat today. Yes. And so I had the so I had the morning free. Perfect. Yeah, so, that's good. And, um, and so last night, I was going to say, last night at um, at our in-law's house, you were just talking and saying, oh, I've got to do a podcast on I know, I was going to be solo today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm free. Do you want, do you want, I'll see if I can dust the... Uh, Get the dust off the microphone, and uh, do you want me to join you? And I saw your eyes light up, and you yeah. even had to uh, you had to bargain with Isabel. Yes, that's right. I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't fit into your time slot of what was it nine o'clock? You about nine o'clock in the morning usually. Yeah, <laughs> you just see my eyes fall out of my head when you mention nine o'clock in the morning. Ugh. It's <laughs> Saturday, man. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, Isabel managed to bargain you for a sushi lunch. Yes, <laughs> so she gets sushi out of this. Slot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good now, deal. That's where I went wrong. Yeah. I say, Lindsay, I'll do podcasting if you treat me to sushi lunch. Oh, I know. You're missing I didn't, I didn't get anything out of this. I'm donating yeah. this time. What, yeah. what a fool. I'll, I'll drop some sushi off at your house later on. <laughs> yeah. Extra wasabi. Yeah. That's your thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can I say, I can see <laughs> where you're sitting right now at your, um, in your study. So Jared actually hasn't moved, moved from that chair since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 in March. So he actually physically just hasn't gotten up from there. So he's been accounting the whole time, you know, in and now he's podcasting. So well done, Jerry. That that chair must be very warm now. Yeah, I had to actually pull some of the cobwebs off. They were sort of keeping me still <laughs> just to get the microphone out. <laughs> it's just frozen to that chair. <laughs> All right, Jerry, I am so happy that you're here. And yes, as soon as you said, oh, I'm free tomorrow, I was like, heck yes, you're in. <laughs> You've got the job. <laughs> yeah, we'll even put you back on the payroll. Yeah, it's not much. It's like nothing, but, you know, <laughs> but we'll put you back on anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I know you've you've done solo podcasting before. I know you felt sort of uncomfortable about it. You know, it's kind of like um, how to put it. It's kind of like one hand clapping. You know, when you when yeah. you have Lindsay, uh, sorry, Lino and Caroline there, you, you know, you raise a question and then you know one of them will jump in to answer it. But That's when it. you're on your own, there's nothing there. So, Lindsay, today I'm happy to be your second hand. I, Man, that makes me feel. I'm used. very happy to have someone to clap with. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we continue, um, if you're new to listening to The Catholics of Oz, first of all, welcome. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen, because your positive feedback helps us to reach more people, which is what we are all about. SQPN also hosts The Catholics of Oz on YouTube with all of its other shows, so you can subscribe there. Just search for SQPN and then hit the bell to get notifications when new episodes are released. So, with Jerry, with that, let's start with Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass... Latin and theology 
quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. That'll see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So, Jerry, today we were having just, uh, well, actually, last night when you uh, heroically jumped in to, to save the show for you so I wouldn't have to be talking to myself and clapping on my own, um, high-fiving myself, um, <laughs> we're talking about topics. And, and I thought, um, because my youngest sister, Marilyn, is going to be getting married on October the 20th, so very, very, very soon to, I mean, close to the um, release date of this episode, uh, I thought, why don't we talk about marriage? Because, uh, yeah, I've, been, I've had marriage on my mind because, you know, I've been talking to my sister about it. Had a Jamie's uh, Bucks evening. Um, it was a last weekend. So uh, with the Bucks weekend, I should mention as well. So I'm one of the groomsmen. So I didn't organize it, but I was kind of like, you know, in the in the background, you know, just we, we would listen to the um, to the best man as he coming up with ideas. He did a really good job and we'd just be talking back and forth. So here's what I was dreading, right? I had a really good time, by the way, but here's what I was dreading. Um, so Marilyn, my sister, is getting married to Jamie. Jamie is a past student from my school. Now, when I say past student, we're talking over a decade ago now. It must be about a decade, right? So, um, you know, they're both 27 now. And uh, so the best man and the other two groomsmen that I'm with, all past students. So some of them I taught year seven English. One of them I taught for religious education year 12. So, um, so it's, uh, it was, I, was, I was thinking, my goodness, I'm going to be hanging out basically with a bunch of 27-year-olds. <laughs> I was thinking I'm going to be a fish out of water. Anyway, it, um, in the end, it ended up being really good. We, we did a, an activity called axe throwing. So think of like archery, but throwing axes instead. It was um, tournament style. No one got hurt, thankfully, um, and, and because they don't let you drink and throw axes at the same time. So that's, that's a smart move. Yeah. I was going to say, um, with uh, obviously our own bucks, we did paintballing, so they didn't have a shoot the buck. Section, yeah, yeah. With the axes? No, they didn't have it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because in the, in, they had a, a bucks run, didn't they, with paintball, where the, everyone would just surround mm-hmm. the buck, yeah, and shoot, yeah, like just shoot it like crazy. They didn't have an axe. The no axe, the buck. No, thankfully, no. Um, that might have changed the wedding plans just a little bit. They might have got married in hospital or something instead. Yeah, we should mention at your bucks, we did our that paintball. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we had the Bucks run, so everyone was lined up on two sides, and then you had to run through all of us while everyone just like shot at you crazy with his paintballs. Your dad thought it would be funny to just shoot everyone else, because so, everyone was so focused on you, so he's just shooting everyone else. It was quite funny. Yeah, he was on one side, he was shooting everyone on the other side. <laughs> yes, and he was, I could see him maniacally laughing away. He had a great time with that. <laughs> So um so anyway we thought we'd talk about marriage uh today um as part of this. So uh, Jerry you and I you know have both been married well so I got married in 2008 you were 2010 am I did I get yeah, that a couple of years behind? Yeah just a few years after yep. Um and we are surrounded by married couples. I mean in the year that I got married we had Lena and Bernie. <laughs> we had two other friends from church Paul and Vicky and then we had my sister Caroline and her husband Phil. So 2008 was a big wedding year and then we had yours you know, uh, well on the way we were, you know, getting getting ready for that one too. So we've seen quite a lot of marriages. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've both been in the game for quite a while now. So you're 12 years, is that right-ish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because I'm 14 now, I think it is. Yeah. So it's been yeah, a while. teenager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought today um, I might just say a couple of things about marriage um, using a resource that... Um, that I found on Melbourne uh, on Melbourne Catholic uh, yesterday, and then maybe we'll just talk about our experiences and you know our sage old advice, that, you know about what makes it work and what's been the some of the joys and the struggles that come with it as well. So, uh, my, th- look, the basic thing that uh, that I wanted to really say about the, an understanding of marriage is uh, that um, from a theological perspective, marriage you know is a sacrament that reflects who God is. So we know God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, uh, we say God is, you know, we say we have one God who is three persons, which uh, thousands and thousands of, you know, or I should say even millions of words have been written about in order to try and explain what seems like a strange paradox. But what makes it make sense, the triune, the triune God, this one and three, is actually just the word love. So we know John's gospel, God is love. That's the, you know, the basic um, description of God. 
if we look at the Christian understanding of love, which is, might be different to the understanding of love that you see on Home and Away and other places yeah. where, where love is, I love you until, you know, the first problem Next comes episode. on. Yeah, exactly. Until three episodes <laughs> later, it's like, oh, actually, no, I don't love you. <laughs> I love him instead, or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's uh, it, the word love is is the is the key thing. Love is is uniting. It's bonding. It it brings things together that um that that can't be undone in a way. So the triune love of God. The idea is God is a loving community of Father, Son, and Spirit. And one theologian who I can't remember the name now had said one way to understand uh understand that God can be three at one is that if you were to look at God. If, if God was standing right in front of you, the triune God was standing right in front of you, all you would see is the oneness, the unity, the, the loving bond. So God is so close in, in, as a loving community that all you would see is the unity, the oneness. And so now we go to our, our weddings, right? <laughs> you know, the, and what we say, what the, what the spouses say to each other in a wedding is that they are making a commitment to bond in love, right? In, in that love of God, not just home and away love. People might not know what home and away is actually because I'm talking about an Australian one. Just think of your whatever soap opera, what do you watch? Bold and beautiful, whatever. I don't know. What else is there? Wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> We're just not totally versed in those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just think about those. You know, any soap opera where, or any you know chick flick where people say they're in love and suddenly it falls apart because I don't know whatever I don't know they break a toenail or something. Whatever the whatever the the situation might be. Um, you're doing a real good job of letting everyone know that you're not a familiar, not a frequent watcher. I'm I very, applaud you. <laughs> I'm very happy for people to know that I don't frequently watch Home and Away or Bowls of the Beautiful or any, or any of them. Although I've got to say, just as a side note, uh, Isabel used to watch Bowls of the Beautiful and I came home one day and there was an episode where, I don't know, the characters got lost on an island and they found these berries and then they had like a... A hallucinogenic effects, and, and, and uh, anyway, it was so bizarre. That, that's probably why I don't watch it. It was so bizarre. Cool. Yeah. My 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 uh, uh, my memory of Bold and the Beautiful is watching an episode with my wife one time, and then about nine months later, watching another episode, and it seemed to be the same storyline with the same characters. Funny that in their love triangle or whatever it was. Yeah. I feel like that's everyone's everyone's uh, everyone who doesn't watch it regularly. That's probably their experience. Yeah, it's it's like they're frozen in time. Like nothing actually happens in those shows. Yeah, except for the stare. You know, the when they just like. <laughs> before they change it slightly off camera yeah, yeah that's it yeah so anyway where was i going with this uh which about yeah, yeah. the contrast yes. in christian it's love with you know the notions of love in that we see in popular culture uh, so at a wedding which is where i left off uh the couple makes a commitment in their vows um of love and you can see some of the things the commitments that we make in our vows you know um things like uh looking after each other through sickness and being there in you know in times of health and uh, the difficult times and the good times um till death to us part which is kind of a it's a bit of a binding commitment there um, but the thing is uh when they unite themselves in love there's a third person that's present there, and that's the priest who witnesses the um the 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 couple making the vows. And uh, when the priest uh, is there as a witness, the priest is there as God, like God's representative. You know, we talk about the priest being in persona Christi in in, uh, in all of the sacraments. So the couple is uniting themselves to each other in a special way, but also uniting themselves to God as well. In a you know so in a in a special way, sacraments change us interiorly as a person. Once you um, participate in a sacrament, you are never the same again. You know your personality might be the same. You know you'll be the same person. Um, however, who you are interiorly as a as a spiritual person that changes. That's configured, reconfigured through through a sacrament. So when we commit to a a, a Catholic wedding, we're committing to a lot. It's nothing. It's not a contract. You know, it's not like a. I'll be a BFF. You know, for for a little while or anything like that. It's not a friendship or anything. It's it's a heck of a lot more. So that's the that's just like the basic basic of, of what marriage is. There's a whole lot more that we could say about marriage, but in a in a Catholic wedding, it's sacramental. It means a, a whole lot more, and it really is just that uniting of the two um, together to to be together through all the difficulties, and also I guess uh, not just an expression of their love publicly, but also a commitment to whatever comes next. So if we're blessed to have children, for example, you know the the continuing the raising of a family and things like that. So that's a that's a basic of what of of what you know a wedding is the marriage itself is is a witness so it, the witness begins at the wedding it's a witness of faith so um 
it's a, a witness in a sense that uh, the couple are making a public statement about their faith through the through the wedding ceremony itself, but then continuing that public um, witness and statement of their faith through what they do. They've uh, in in getting married, they've created a a new community of two, which could become a community of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, depending on you know on how many people come along after that. And in that community, that community becomes an invitation to others to be part of it as well. And what I mean by that is. Um, married couples have friends, for example, um, mar- you know, they, they support their friends and are supported by their friends too. Uh, married couples may see a need somewhere in society and want to do something about it, but they use their marriage in whatever way it might be. Now, primarily the first commitment of marriage is to your children and then everything else that comes beyond that, depending on what we discern or our gifts, talents, etc. So that's it. That's what it, what it is. And that's kind of what it does. And there's a whole lot more. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Jerry. Tell me about, I guess, your understanding of marriage, your experience of marriage, anything I said resonate there, even think back to your wedding, anything like that, anything that uh, you want to throw in there? Sure. Well, first of all, we'll go to my own wedding and I just have to say, Lindsay, never again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> never again. <laughs> for for um, obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose for yeah. me, that's more a subjective thing because I don't think the process of the you know the getting to know someone the engagement the marriage and the last 12 years as well mm. i don't think that's something i could repeat with someone else whatever happened in the future mm. you know with my own relationship you know i'm obviously no intention to go down the path of splitting up and there's nothing like that on the horizon at all or anything yeah. like that yeah um but it just seems it's it's like something you commit your whole self to and i can't imagine myself being able to do that a second time around you know obviously in society there are second marriages, remarriages, divorces, etc. I can't speak for someone else, but I'm speaking for myself. There's no way I could go through all of that again. Mm-hmm. It just seems that it takes that you give so much of yourself into that that it's not something that you can just repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah, it's not yes. something I could go. Not something. Oh, done with that one. Let's go again. Give me a, give me a good little while. Get back on my feet. Let's go again. I just don't <laughs> think I can do that. Yeah. Um, in terms of marriages in whole and in society. Obviously, you know, society these days loves to, uh, you know, project the differences and the diversity and all sorts of other things. But what I feel should be happening more often is, um, you know, we talk about marriage as being, uh, you know, a staple of society. I think they should be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be encouraged to get married, and that's not to say the first person you see, let's have a Vegas wedding, and um, there we go. I've, I've <laughs> yep. added, added one extra marriage to the gene pool. Yeah, no, no, it should be something that is not something you focus on, and to the exclusion of everything else, but something you look towards as a goal. Mm. Now, if you, and that's not to say everyone has to have that as a goal, because you know. Uh, you know, someone in the ministry will say, "Well, that's going to exclude me," <laughs> but I suppose. You know, it can be in terms of that, that that marriage is a is an end goal of a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the document that we've um, that you know we were looking at as a bit of background to this it also affirms you know that statement as well. The idea that um, that we you know what, for example, it says um, that the contribution of marriage to society, for example, that you know this way in our relationships we so in the church you know we wouldn't you know, be excited about things like, say, you know, hookup culture and things like that, where it's just like, you know, it's a temporary relationship. Everyone knows it's going to be temporary. It's just a home and away culture, home and away culture, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, um, in a sense, you know, that, that kind of way of looking at relationships is almost like, you know, trying on clothes to see if they fit and then throwing them aside if they're no good, you know, um, or trying on clothes, knowing that you're going to throw them aside at some point. It, um, That's probably but, a better one, actually, because, yeah. because a relationship is in a way like trying on clothes, because if you're with someone who doesn't suit you... Yeah. You do need to explore whether that's going to work. You can't yeah. just and that's look the at discernment. Someone, you know, yeah, wipes that's off. right. Yeah. yeah, yes. So absolutely. I like your second example there. Yeah, um, knowing and, that you're going to throw them away. Yeah, the, I think the church. Uh, you know, we talk about the dignity of the human person, and, and in every relationship we're in, uh, the the rule should be: Do I care about the dignity of the other, of this person that I'm currently in a relationship with? And that dignity involves making some pretty challenging decisions. So decisions such as. I'm discerning that this isn't the person that I can commit myself to, which is fair enough. That that's you know that's that's all part of the process. What do they call it? Courting was courtship the old the good old word they used to use for that. When you mm-hmm. yeah, 
uh, that's part of the discernment process. You don't want to commit yourself or put someone in a in the position of committing themselves when you both know this probably isn't going to work. We're not right for each other. Um, so it's a, it's a you know, that that whole thing about uh, like you said, exploring a relationship first, um, but going into a relationship with the right intention as well. That the person is not an object. The person is a is a someone. They're a person with a story and a history, and you know they have a dignity, and that's that dignity needs to be respected before anything else. In I guess as you explore, if this is you know as they say the one, <laughs> you know things like that. Yeah, um, and, the, well, yeah, and I mean it's, it's yeah. I was going to say it's cliched language mm. to say the one, but it is yeah. pretty much you know one of the better descriptions of yeah. how you would ideally be approaching a relationship. Like I said mm. earlier. That um, you know, you go in there with the goal of marriage. I mean, you don't. It's obviously not a stated when you when you have your first date. Yeah, hey, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, let's get married. Yeah, five years. <laughs> this sounds a bit forward, months. but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I suppose that that as you said comes back to his, to your discernment of is this person someone I can spend the rest of my life with, life with, and mm. that's probably yeah, you know, that's sort of how I would have done it. I would say yeah. Um, I've only ever had one girlfriend who then became my fiance and then wife, so I Ditto. Had, didn't, have, didn't really have to do the discerning. Um, you know, maybe our discerning was, you know, first pick from the top was the best one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I suppose, you know, using that language and all those descriptions that we've just had, I can sort of now, it almost puts into context why, when, I, when I said initially, I don't think I can do this again. Well, that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We've, we've made that decision. And the thing is, the decision wasn't made by one person; it's made by two people, and this is the this is the beautiful thing about it is that, uh, firstly, I, I guess in the beginning you're discerning on your own because, you know, the, there's there's still that trust isn't completely established right at the start, I guess, and but then as that trust starts to grow, I guess you both start discerning together. I mean, would it be fair to say that you and Priscilla talked about marriage before you got engaged? Yep, which yeah. I thought was going to be a strange thing. I always had in my head growing up that. The production, the production of the ring, was the first sign that yes, you were intending to get married. Yes, and looking back on that now, that just seems ludicrous. Yeah, that's right, and, that, that's, and that's kind of that's what I thought what it was. Up too, on. Yeah. yeah, it's what I was brought up. Which I mean, you, I mean, you know, good old uh, what was it? Uh, remember the Flying Doctors? I remember the TV wedding was a big event. You know, when I was growing up, that people would watch weddings on TV, and it was usually that you know the engagement was like came out of nowhere, didn't see it coming. Yeah, but even with me and Isabel, it was the same thing. We you know, when we started to realize that our relationship was becoming more serious and that it, it potentially could, could become permanent, we decided, yeah, we, we talked about it first. We didn't set a date or anything, but we, we thought, you know, I mean, I didn't propose to Isabel until I was confident that her and I had both kind of made a decision that we're probably going to get married to each other. I thought you were going to say I, I didn't want to propose to Isabel until I was confident of a yes. <laughs> yeah, until I suss her out. Because <laughs> that's, so, <laughs> that's the big thing on those surprise engagements is the, <gasps> I can't do this. Yeah, and that's the walk right. Away and, yeah. and everyone's deflated. Yes, that's right. Was it the, like a, the big TV moment? Yes, another show that Isabel used to watch. You know, The Bachelorette and The Bachelor, where it was like, you know, they they don't know if the yes is going to happen or the no or whatever else. Yeah, a little bit different. Oh, that's yeah. that's whatever's good for TV. That one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Reality TV, which is not so real. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, when you say reality TV, you got to put that reality in inverted commas. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the reality. I think that we need to look at is that uh, in in deciding to get married, I mean, we're talking about real people without the inverted commas. They're people that have, like I said, a life, a story, a dignity, um, and, and a process that they, I guess, they discern together. So um, let's speed it, speed it up a little bit or move a bit further forward. So we've, we've gone through the engagement and, and the deciding to get married. Uh, do, did you do anything in terms of a marriage preparation course or anything like that? Yes. Now, I don't know if it's standard or whether it's Catholic standard or what, yep. because I haven't looked back since. But uh, once we made the decision to get married, and obviously we spoke to our priest at the time, Father Michael Shadbolt, yep. we then got put on to the, I'm pretty sure it's the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne, yep. had a marriage course where you go to the city for a weekend Yep. Um, and basically hang around other married couples while they produce a series of 10 sort of, I think it was 10 sort of talks. Yeah, where they just had various subjects, you know, some related to the, um, you know, the the, the Catholic side of marriage, mm. um, so the spiritual side of it, and then the, uh, the they also dedicated some things to the practical side of it as well. Yes, yeah, of, I think of living together, of being, you know, part of a union, yeah, having your own place, not not living at home, not having your clothes washed and your dishes <laughs> cooked yes, for you. That's right, yeah, etc. 
even um, discussing but, finances and stuff, I think from memory they mm-hmm. had some things on that, so doing that together. Uh, and so I think we might have done, now obviously I did a couple of years, but I think we might have done the same course because Isabel and I did a weekend course as well. I'm not sure if we got you onto the course or if Father Michael did or, yeah. It yeah, but been, you, I'm yeah. pretty sure you would have done the course with Bernie and Lino and possibly yes. uh, the, you know, all the other 2008 folk or some of them. No, I don't think, it's only Lino and Bernie for this one. I don't know if when okay. the others did theirs, yeah. But, uh, they so were did later you, in um, the year than you, yeah. Yeah, did you on the so on the so it's a Saturday and Sunday like we talked about. So on the Saturday, did they send you off with like a questionnaire for the two of you to sit down? It was like a booklet with questions, things for the two of you to consider to make sure that you've you know you've made the right decision. Because it was there were questions like, uh, do you you know, um, what are your thoughts on having children? You know, when you get married, what are your thoughts on this and your thoughts on that? Um, did did you have that as well? We would have had something like it because I do remember wandering around the, I think it was Fitzroy Gardens or at least the gardens near the near St. Pat's Cathedral. Yeah, yep. yeah. Everyone else sort of went off to their own corner within the hall. I was like, let's yeah. cross the road. Let's go for a Let's go in the sun. Yeah. It was a not? nice day. It was a, you know, open area of, you know, parks and birds and possums and, you know, less humans. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, so there, there would have been, um, well, there was, uh, you know, a section like that where we sort of, spoke together or, you know, were put in a situation where we were speaking about a lot of the, you know, some of these things for the first time and other things that, you know, we've talked about these ones before. Yeah. But really giving us some, you know, synopsis of different things to consider that you may not have considered before yeah. that are basically involved in a life together. Yeah. If anything, now the whole course, the weekend course was good, right? It was, it was really helpful, but I found that that, that was the, the best thing for me was actually, yeah, when they... So the day ended. They actually gave us a bottle of wine. They gave all the couples a bottle of wine as well um, to to sit down. And, oh, know, sorry. Yes, yeah, they yeah. did. We did do a take home one. And we also did yeah. something during the day as well. We right, right. Yeah. But yes, they did. They said, you know, they gave you a bottle of wine and said, here, go and think about this at home. And like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Conducive to thought, hey. Yeah. So we thought, all right, we'll go. We'll go and have dinner. So we went to I don't know whose house, wherever it was. Anyway, we had dinner at someone's house, and then we sat down together and went through like these questions and statements. And I thought that was good because it was. Uh, you know, yes, we decided we were engaged, we want to get married and things like that. But this really challenged us to think about if what were we on the same page about and what were our differences of opinions and how were we going to work it out together. Now, fortunately, we didn't really have that big a difference of opinion, right? Except I think there was something about how many kids do you think you'll have? And I said, oh, you know, we'd probably be open to about, you know, three or four. And Isabel goes, what about 10? <laughs> I think she said something like that. <laughs> now, now that, that didn't happen in reality, but yeah, we've, we've got two. But um, yeah, but uh, it was good because yes, we dealt with the serious questions, had a good laugh about some of the questions too. It was good to have a bit of a, a, bit of a giggle about it. Uh, but I, I felt that that really helped us to, to say, to to, to really, even though we were engaged, to say, yeah, we're on the right journey. We're, you know, we, we have made the right decision in, in wanting to go ahead and get married. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was any, any, can you remember at all the conversation you had with Priscilla about those questions? Anything that, that came out of that at all or the experience of it? Um, specifics, not so much, mainly because, you know, similar to you, we didn't really sort of have, um, yeah, you know, major disagreements. Obviously, otherwise this conversation might have been a different turn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. I got a feeling we had this place ready. So I'd I'd bought the place we're living in now before we got married because that's when it was GFC time and the prices yes. were down. And yeah, you know, I got to do it anyway. So we'd been looking. We actually, we're looking not too long after you guys actually that's bought right. your place, like back yes. in 2008. Yep. Um, and you know, we wandered through the display homes. I remember we took you know you guys and Lino and Bernie along once, yep. and we ended up in a you know 50 square house and <laughs> looking at all the things that were just way, way, way out of the budget. Yes, but <laughs> yep. but enjoying it all the same. Obviously, we set it on something more suitable yep. and realistic. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure when we did the course, we had the house, so we're actually you know sort of sat in here, um, probably just on the old fold-out couch, sort of talking about it. I do remember that. Um, and yeah, same as you sort of realizing at the end of it that, you know, we're quite similar in a lot of things and the differences are complementary differences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, I, now, uh, going ahead to the, the day of the wedding, right? So at my wedding, uh, apart from when Isabel got a bit nervous and she accidentally said awful husband instead of lawful husband and father Michael couldn't stop laughing and everything. Yeah, that was quite <laughs> funny. Yeah. So now um, I've committed to that now. I've, I have been an awful husband. So Isabel can be happy that as I, awful as I could be as yep. awful as I can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
and poor Isabel because it's on tape now. It's, it's, we've got it on, you know, it's, it's recorded forever. Um, but I remember that we made our vows and did the rings and everything. And then I was like, it hit me. It's like, wow, this is it. This is permanent. This is different. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it dawned on me. Like, I knew we were committing, like, forever and whatever else. So I knew what I was getting into. But that, in that moment, it really hit me. It's like, this, this can't be undone. There's no going back from here. Um, and I wasn't scared. I thought that, that was a good thought to me. It's like, this is, you know, this is, a, this is it. Did you have any, I don't know if you can remember, but at your wedding, did you, was there any one moment where you had any, were there any profound thoughts or realizations you had at any point, you know, before, during, after the wedding happened? There was one that sort of st- stuck out a little is that when um, the procession was all coming up, so obviously us boys were waiting at the front and the girls were fashionably late. Um, <laughs> And then everyone walked up. So the first person to walk up was Damien, your oh, page yes. boy. Oh, no, we'll never yeah, your forget. son is yes. page boy. Yeah. And he was only, you know, probably wasn't even two then. Yeah, and so yeah. I guess we made a bit of a gamble in trusting him with our rings. <laughs> yeah. And so he got sort of near the front and maybe realized everyone's attention was on him. So instead of giving me the rings nicely like he would nowadays, he threw them in my general threw, direction. Yeah, I, thought, I hope like, this, isn't, it. Hope this were, isn't a sign. Yeah, they were on a cushion. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, I hope this isn't a sign. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I remember because we had the rehearsal for your wedding the night before. So me and Isabel, we were practicing with Damien and, you know, and he was being a grumpy boy. He's like, no, I don't want to do this. You know, like, not, not that he wanted to carry. He's like, we like, come up slowly. He's like, I don't want to go slowly. All that kind of stuff. And and we were really nervous on the day of the wedding like about how he was going to go with bringing the rings up because he, was, he wasn't great during rehearsal. Let's just say that, right? Uh, so then on the day of the wedding, he's coming up and like, I'm looking at him, just willing him to to, to come up. Oh, thank God. You know, he's doing really well. Thank God. Thank God. And then he gets right to the end and he throws the rings like, no. (laughs) Anyway. So, yeah. I mean, you've got to have at least one gaff at a wedding. At least it was just that. Yeah. The rest of the ceremony went well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Now, what about since you've been married for 12 years? How's it going? (laughs) Yeah, good. Yeah, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Any reflections? Though, yeah, yeah, it's going right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, I've been a great, awful husband. It's been all right. Yeah. Um, any any reflections on just on the journey? Anything that you've picked up along the way? You know, you've had a couple of kids now. You know, any anything about the joys and struggles of you know of doing marriage together? Um, essentially, you learn that. Yours isn't the only opinion, if you mm. hadn't learned that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure. in some cases, yours, you might no longer have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. in, in some matters. Yep. <laughs> there's, just, there's just something where you just don't get to say on, which, you know, generally you, you tend to go ahead with that because it's usually something outside your area of expertise anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's something that it's almost just a part of you now. It's yeah. just a part of me now. That, yeah. um that it's to change something now would just be a, you know, it's a seismic shift in, in what I'd be comfortable with, what I'm used to. Mm. You know, it, it basically, like you said, it's, it changes who you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And I, yeah, and I would say that the same thing really, uh, not only does it, you know, spiritually through the sacrament change who you are, but it definitely changes who you are as a person because suddenly, you know, there's a, uh, what I've felt is that there's a co-responsibility, the the husband for the wife and the wife for each other. And then that responsibility extends to whoever comes along. So you know, we've got two kids and you've got, you know, you've got two kids as well. So there's that, that responsibility that, um, that, that comes along with it and accepting that, um, that I'm no longer just about myself, you know, and I don't mean that in a selfish way, but like, you know, before you're married, even before you're engaged, you're looking at, you know, your own life and the things that you're doing, whatever else, but suddenly uh, and I mean this in a good way, I can't do anything, I can't make any decision, I can't try out anything without it being discussed, you know, with my wife first. And when I say discussed, I mean like, how do I, what am I trying to say? I get to share my interests with someone else. That's what I'm trying to say. And she gets to share her interests with me. And I actually, think that that's really cool. Like there's someone else I can always talk to about it, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, one more thing, just as a reflection on marriage, and then we'll move on to our, our next topic. Uh, I was thinking about how the idea of uh, what I said before that, you know, I was saying that theologian who said that, well, when you look at God, all you see is the oneness, right? Well, marriage is kind of the same thing, right? So you, when you're bonded in marriage, you, you, I said we become, you know, you say I'm making, a, I'm forming a community. It's, 
it's a community of oneness. And what I would hope is that, uh, is that, and it's always a hope I can never tell someone else would have to tell me, right? Is that we've all done marriage well enough that when people see Lindsay, they also see Isabel. And when people see Isabel, they also see Lindsay. And the same with you. When people see Jerry, they see Pris. And, you know, they can't think of Pris without thinking of Jerry, if that kind of makes sense. The idea of the, mm-hmm. of the oneness of love that we've made now in, in, in the commitments to our marriage. Yeah. What do you, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And I suppose extending it to um, a more uh, poignant example of our uh, our wives, I know that anything uh, Priscilla says to Isabel, you're probably going to know about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> true. Yes. <laughs> yep. And anything that Isabel says to Priscilla, that I'll end up finding out about it. That's right. Um, yes. So that's something you would know as well. So, yep. you know, essentially it's... It's not as though, not as though that I'd expect you know either of our wives to hide things from you know you yeah. or I, but yeah. it's just that that is what being in the marriage relationship is is that you know you share everything with them, and that includes you know if, if you've got something that you want to tell privately, well you should yeah. go and find someone who's single or perhaps That's, even a priest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, if, yes. Or you yeah. can just tell you know uh, someone in a in a married relationship, and then two people will know about it. Yeah. Now I can say this because the, uh, I'm just making sure she's not around and not hearing what I'm saying. So I can say this, uh, this is a secret I am keeping from her. So next Tuesday is Isabel's birthday. This is that time of recording, right? So her birthday would have passed by the time this, this episode comes out. The only thing I've kept from Isabel in our marriage is that I'm organizing a birthday party for her next Tuesday, which you obviously are coming to as well. But that's, that's an exception to the rule of, of not keeping things from your spouse. This is one thing I'm definitely keeping from her because I want it to be a secret. Even though, my mom, can. Yeah, even though my mum might have accidentally spilled the beans, but we're managing that too. So I've had to invent a whole narrative to try and convince Isabel that we're not doing anything on Tuesday. Yeah. And this is why you don't bring lies into the relationship. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, because I always got to get caught. Yeah. Uh, what I'm hoping Isabel's birthday will be like, I'm just talking quietly here, uh, is that um, people will just rock up. So I haven't said rock up at all at the same time. So everyone just, you know, comes, you know, surprise at the door. I was thinking more like The Hobbit, you know, when the dwarves come up, you know, in pairs, you know, whatever else to, you know, and, and Bilbo's like, what are they all doing? What are they doing here? So I was thinking the same thing. I just, I've told everyone, just rock up and, um, and just say, oh, we thought we'd come in person and wish you a happy birthday, Isabel. So but all just between 5.30 and 6. Yeah. I'm hoping to have like a Hobbit experience. It's probably, Isabel would be like, yeah, I knew you were coming. <laughs> That's what it's going to end up being like. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on um, and let's uh, move to the second part of the show where we're going to talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. All right, so Jerry, um, Caroline has taken a break from the show until until Marilyn's wedding, just to focus on that and a few other things that she's been doing. So uh, we've been carrying the the science topic since. Now, when I say carrying, yeah, we've been doing <laughs> would something. You say, right? Would yeah. you say dragging? Dragging, yeah, <laughs> we've been dragging, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, being dragged along by the science. Anyway, it's been fun because I've been doing a bit of reading and learning a couple of things, uh, and I thought today. Um, we would talk about an article that I found from, it was originally published in The Conversation uh, in 2021, in November, and it was then republished at space.com, a favorite source of mine, by the way, for, for science topics, because there are so many good articles here. This one is about uh, the moon's top layer. It says the moon's top layer alone has enough oxygen to sustain 8 billion people for 100,000 years. So uh, I thought I'd talk about that today and explain how the science of this has, uh, ha- how this has been discovered. So, first of all, it says here that uh, alongside advances in space exploration, we've seen much time and money invested in technologies that could allow the effective space, uh, allow effective space resource utilization. And at the forefront of this is obviously how do we produce oxygen in space, in, in different uh, environments in space. And a couple of episodes ago, I did a, uh, I did a discussion about producing oxygen on the moon. They've, they've, um, the Mars rover um, has a, a device attached to it that has been producing very small quantities of oxygen on the moon, which is really cool. But uh, Sorry, not on the moon, on Mars. However, the moon is the most likely destination of human beings with the Artemis missions that are coming up, which 
almost launched but didn't launch and will hopefully launch um, this month. Uh, so the um, so what they're thinking is we want to set up a permanent human presence on the moon, and to do that we need to be able to produce oxygen on the moon. So the moon itself has an atmosphere. But the atmosphere is made up of hydrogen, neon, and argon, which is uh, not the mixture of gas that could support any human life. However, they say that there is actually a lot of oxygen on the moon, as I hinted at in the, in the headline of this article, but it's just not in, in gaseous form. It's uh, trapped in what's called the regolith, which is the layer of rock and fine dust that covers the moon's surface. And what they propose here is that if oxygen could be extracted from this regolith, it would be enough to support human life on the moon. At least that's the theory. So uh, I want to mention also, and this is really cool, that Australia gets a mention here, the Australian Space Agency. They've actually signed a deal with NASA to send an Australian-made rover to the moon as part of the Artemis program. So I would say that's not part of Artemis 1. It's most likely part of Artemis 2. And its goal is going to be to collect lunar rocks that could ultimately be used to produce breathable oxygen on the moon. So... Uh, a couple of things about this. So oxygen is found in minerals all around us on the Earth, and uh, the moon is made mostly of the same rocks that you would find on Earth as well. So there are minerals such as uh, silica, aluminium, and iron and magnesium oxides that dominate the moon's landscape. As a side note, Jerry, um, I just want to point out that I said aluminium, which might be jarring for some of our listeners because I think they say aluminum. Does, does that sound about right? Is that how they say it in America? I've heard of, I've heard of it being pronounced like that, yeah. Yeah, so like um, battery and battery. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so uh, if anyone, so if anyone's a bit jarred by me saying aluminium, that's just the way we do it around here. But you know, I'm talking about good old US <laughs> aluminium. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm getting at. Um, talking about coke cans. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what. The, yeah, true, true. Um, so all of those minerals I just listed contain oxygen, but obviously not in a way that our lungs can actually process. It needs to be converted to a gas. So. Uh, what it says here is that on the moon, these minerals exist uh, in the forms including hard rock, dust, gravel, and stones that cover the surface. Uh, and so the material released from these come from um, the impacts of meteorites that crashed into the lunar, lunar surface over thousands and thousands of years. Some people call it the Earth's or the moon's version of soil, but it's not soil in the way that we understand it. It's actually uh, so obviously we have soil. We're very fortunate to have that because it's what one of the things that keeps us alive. Um, soil is basically the work of organisms that you know, that work on rocks, digest rocks and process and whatever else, and it becomes soil. Now, regolith is what you have before uh, organisms do their work on, on rocks. So what we then have is, um, uh, is a matrix of minerals, which were uh, not present in the original rocks. So earth soil is imbued with, you know, it's remarkable physical, chemical and biological characteristics, whereas the materials on the moon are basically the original untouched form. So they believe that the moon's regolith is made up of approximately 45% oxygen, but that oxygen is tightly bound into the minerals as mentioned above. So in order to break apart those bonds and release the oxygen as gaseous form, they require energy. Now, if Caroline was here, she'd be able to explain this, explain this to us, but they need a process called electrolysis, electrolysis, I should say. Um, and this is commonly used in manufacturing to produce aluminium, or aluminum. And, uh, and what happens is basically an electrical current is passed through a liquid form of aluminum oxide uh, called alumina via electrodes, which separate the aluminum from the oxygen. Now, on Earth, the process, the byproduct of producing aluminum this way is oxygen. Now, on the moon, the oxygen would be the main product, and the aluminum itself would then be the byproduct, which would be very useful um, because it could be used to construct other things on the moon. So, Although it's a very straightforward process, what they're saying here is that uh, there are some catches. One catch is that the machinery itself requires vast amounts of energy. So what they're theorizing is that uh, could they use uh, solar energy you know, um, on the moon in order to power machines? The other, option, uh, the other complication is also is that these machines are quite large and we would have to get them to, to the moon's surface. So maybe take the parts there and have them constructed on the moon. So, uh, so moving that equipment is also a big challenge as well. So it says here we have the ch the technology to do it. Um, it's just getting there and having the energy to run it. 
Now, in 2021, Belgium-based startup Space Application Services announced it was building three experimental reactors to improve the process of making oxygen via electrolysis. The, uh, and they expect to send this technology to the moon in 2025 as part of the Euro- European Space Agency's in-situ resource utilization or ISRU mission. So, I mean, that would be really cool to see how that all works out. So lastly, how much oxygen could we get out of the moon, potentially? Now, I've already talked about it in the headline, but let's go through the science of this very quickly. So scientists believe that there is a lot. There, are, there is a large, vast amount of oxygen that could potentially be uh, released um, you know, in the moon to make it to, to have a breathable, um, you know, to have a breathable habitat there. So it says if we ignore the oxygen that's tied up in the deeper hard rock material of the moon and just consider the regolith alone, the estimates say that regolith contains 1.4 uh, each cubic meter contains 1.4 tons of minerals on average, which includes about 630 kilograms of oxygen. Now NASA says that humans need to breathe 800 grams of oxygen a day to survive. So 630 kilograms of oxygen from from um, 1.4 tons of minerals would keep a person alive for just over two years by estimate. So it says now let's assume the average depth of the regolith is about 10 meters and that we can extract all of the oxygen from this. This means that the top 10 meters of the moon's surface would provide enough oxygen to support all 8 billion on uh, 8 billion people on Earth for about 100,000 years. So the answer is a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of oxygen there. So it would depend on things like how effectively um, it was managed to extract and use the oxygen. Um, but they, they reckon, obviously, that this figure is quite amazing. Now, oxygen would also not just be used for humans to breathe, but oxygen is also um, part of the mixture of rocket fuel as well. So potentially launching rockets as a fuel source straight from the moon, is there's possibilities there as well. Uh, so um, it concludes by saying, having said that, we do have it pretty good here on Earth. And we should do everything we can to protect the blue planet and its soil in particular, which continues to support all terrestrial life without us even trying. So there it is, Jerry, the, the, uh, the science of producing oxygen on the moon. Now, if there was oxygen on the moon in habitats, do you think you'd go for a visit? I'm sure. Um, yeah, sure yeah. I would. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> if I yep. didn't have to you know, wear, a, wear a hazmat suit or a moon suit. Yeah. Yeah, I can just I could say just going for a walk outside. Yeah, I'm going for a stroll on the moon outside my moon hotel. Yeah, that's right. I wonder how many people if they explore the can explore the gardens. That's right. Yeah, the moon the moon rocky <laughs> gardens. Yeah, I, I just wonder if um how many like if it became a tourist you know touristy place for people to go, how many people would walk out and step on the moon for the first time and say. That's one small step for man. While everyone just rolls their eyes, guys and tour guys going, "Yeah, we've never heard that one before." You're so original. Yeah. Wow. Did you make that up yourself? (laughs) Where did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like like that story because a lot of the times when you hear about um, you know stories about populating the moon or visiting the moon, it's all um, you know about the getting there, which is obviously a pretty critical step in doing so. Mm. But I always had it in my head that when we're going to land on the moon, if we ever stay on the moon, it's going to be something like, say, the International Space Station is. It's going to be a dedicated, fenced-off area where absolutely you can't yep. get out and it's all self-contained. Yeah. But what this is talking about is actually harvesting what's there on the moon as mm. opposed to, you know, bringing your own, bring it bring with your us, own yeah. oxygen. That's it, Bring yeah. a backpack of oxygen, you know, yeah. bottle of oxygen, <laughs> bottle of water. Yeah. <laughs> It sort of talks about the sustainability of such a project, which, yeah, you know, to be honest, we're not going to be able to keep sending rockets every time we want to do something mm-hmm. on the moon. If it if it does end up getting populated, it needs to be able to look after itself, yeah, long term. Yeah, and so it did talk on here about the you know the use of solar energy, which you know clearly that's probably the uh, you know given the you know the like the thinner atmosphere and all that is probably mm-hmm. something you would certainly look to start to doing is something that can run autonomously not something yes. that needs you know machinery or or mining or something to be able to continue so mm-hmm. let's let's go let's go um bad question time yep so obviously if we're going to use solar energy on the moon mm-hmm. so is there a i suppose the question would be is there a perfect spot to put this so you get sun all the time so given that the Earth rotates around the Sun, mm-hmm. and then the Moon rotates around Earth, and we only see the same face of the Moon. Yes. So, does the Moon's rotation plus the Earth's rotation mean that there is a spot that's always sunny on the Moon? Mm. 
Right. That's a good question. So I don't know the answer to so, that. So, but yeah, no, Lindsay <laughs> yeah. doesn't know the answer to this because it's, it's, it's out of the blue. <laughs> yep. So just same as the listeners, Lindsay's in the same boat as you. I didn't yep. didn't plan, didn't tell him or plan him or anything like that. So yep. So we'll go to the answer. Yep. So if this sounds like a trick question, mm-hmm. it, it is. It is a trick question. Okay. <laughs> and the reason we can tell this is because we know that Earth only sees the same portion of the moon, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yes. And so because we see a full moon, mm-hmm. we see a gibbous moon, which makes me think of monkeys. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> et cetera. Because we're only seeing that, we're only seeing where the sun's hitting on the moon. Of course. Yep. So there is actually no good spot on the moon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it'll, uh, we, get, we get a day of 24 hours where we get you know, darkness and light. The mm-hmm. moon's orbit, uh, sorry, the, what the moon sees of the sun because we see, it, it goes over a month. Yes. But it, um, it, there is no one spot on the moon that gets sun all the time. Yes, right. So they'd have to problem solve that somehow as well. I wonder if- Well, I, you'd have, it'd be like night and day, except night and day would be a lot longer on the moon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Thank God scientists have to work that out and not us. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, um, I mean, they've talked about um, in the future, and I don't know how this would work, but they talked about, for example, nuclear powered rockets being the future. Because obviously, you know, fuel rockets are not going to- that it's not a sustainable industry in the in the long term. I wonder if if having some source of nuclear power on the moon. I mean, getting it there again is is a massive challenge. But I wonder if that's the stopgap. So so that you're you've got a combination of this source of energy, solar energy, whatever other energy they might devise in the future. I just wonder. Should yeah. just have elevators. Yeah, that's right. I need a space elevator. That's all. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And every time the moon comes past, okay, you got to go on now. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna miss you. Get on now. You're gonna miss the moon. Yeah, you will have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta run. I gotta catch a space elevator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's um, let's move on. Um, and let's have our final segment of the show. Let's talk about entertainment. Not what we came here to do. No. But it's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? So, Jerry, uh, you've, you've been here for this before in the past in your episodes with us. In that, in that first year, we just like to talk about anything that we've been watching, reading, any apps we've been using, any activities we've been involved in um, recently that have been fairly entertaining, a bit of fun, shared some insights, whatever it might be. Um, anything you're watching or you've been doing recently that you want to share with us? Yeah, so the mo- the ones we're watching at the moment, I'm um, making my way slowly through the Cobra Kai series, mm-hmm. um, yep. as well as the Karate Kid movies as well. So yep. we'd watch the original one, you know, number one, but I hadn't watched the second two movies. Yep. And so over the last school holidays in September, I managed to get both of those under my belt yep. because apparently they're critical. Yes, you be, must watch to, the movies to watch the series, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then, you know, watch a couple of episodes here and there. So at the moment I'm up to season three of yep. Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, they're, I think the, they've released up to five. They talk of doing six and then another movie. Yep. Sort of situates me there. So I'll probably get to the end of it, you know, I reckon I'd fit it in by Christmas. Yeah. Um. Very much enjoying that show. It's um, obviously set in in California, which mm-hmm. yeah, could be a problem depending on <laughs> depending on what you'd expect to see on there. But um, yeah, they they do run the show, you know, in a really good way. Like, um, you know, most of the characters are interesting. I love how they've been able to bring back either as cameos or as, yeah. as full timers. Yes, people from the original movies. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, Daniel Larusso, Johnny Lawrence, who were yep. the you know the main character and protagonist in the first in one, the, yeah, um, in the yep. and then John Kreese as well, who yep. was the That's right. ultimate protagonist. Yes, um, across I think num- movies number one and number three. Yep, um, they've introduced you know the next generation of characters, and you know for once when they've introduced the next generation, it's not a whole bunch of annoying people. Yeah, I know. Yes, does, thank goodness. Is is the way yeah. sometimes a new generation in an old show has actually done. Yeah, but what thank I goodness like it's, not, it's is, not bald and the beautiful yeah. karate. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happens for nine months. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, they, I dropped um, you yeah, That's right. They, they interrupt. Uh, sorry. I interrupt myself. <laughs> yeah. They line up all the characters so that each yeah. of them, 
you know, you see a background of each one. Mm-hmm. There's obviously different factions and everything. There's always got to be, you know, who you'd perceive to be a bad guy, but they do explore that character's role and their their backstory as well. Yeah. So, for example, there's a few of the new, newer generation, the younger kids who, you know, you look at them from the surface, they seem nasty, they seem yeah. horrible, and they do do horrible things yeah. in there. But you, they then focus on, you know, they spend a few minutes in an episode on showing where their life is at the moment and what yeah. they're, where they've come from. Yeah. And while you might not necessarily agree that how they've become is a good outcome from what they're exposed to, yeah. it does show you it, they, they didn't start off like that. Yes. And, you know, they even, like no person has started off like that. They've, I haven't got to it all yet, but they've shown John Kreese to be a, a nice bloke. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of humanizing of him. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, all I've seen so far is, you know, him yep. working in a diner and then signing up to uh, the army because he wants yes. to serve, you know, that whole, you know, yeah. wanting, to, wanting to serve his country and, you know, that heartwarming stuff. And clearly something happens yeah. in between. I won't say anything. That stage yes. when, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Clearly something happens in between yep. that where he's like a 20 year old joining the yep. army to the, the nasty piece of work that he is in the, yes. in the current series. But yep, definitely. Yep. He doesn't just join as a bad person. Yeah. Like, like, like when you don't have time to explore it in a movie, you just yep. get told, okay, he's a bad person. Get used Accept to it. Get, yeah. Expect him to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so true. I, what yeah. I what I've loved about I mean, the, I mean the funny side of things, the, the comedy. I think Johnny Lawrence is my favorite character. Yep. I, I uh, love absolutely. him. I love that he's basically stuck in the eighties. So all of his music that he listens to, he's really skeptical <laughs> about new music. He's always making fun of the kids' music and everything. And I just love how he's so bad with technology. Like he is so bad. Like he doesn't <laughs> know how to use his laptop properly. He, yeah. Um. There was I don't yeah, know. Talks about sending a Facebook message and saying how long will it take to get there. It's a different yeah. state. It might, <laughs> take, it might yes. take a couple of days. Yes. Oh my gosh. And he was. Yeah. He I was, would say the yeah. scenes with Johnny Lawrence and the uh, the kid Miguel, who's yes, who's been in there from the start. They they steal the show for me. I love watching yeah. them. Like, Their I relationship watch is great. Of them just yes yeah yeah, yeah I the writers have done really well with what they've made johnny lawrence become yes and what he's trying to be as well as yeah um pairing him with miguel yeah um who's a fatherless uh he's yes. got a mother and a grandmother lives with his mother yeah. and grandmother in the same uh, set of apartments as yeah. johnny lawrence and just the relationship that they those two have with each other it's heartwarming as well as being a complete laugh yeah, you'd, and, love and the way, to, you'd love to yeah. know those people in real life and just yeah. be around them when they had conversations. Like, yes, yeah, exactly. And, and even the way that Johnny wants to teach kids to be tough, you know, and like, <laughs> but a lot of these kids are actually quite nice to each other. That needs to be tough. They're not necessarily always getting bullied. He's like, you know, you got to like this. You've got to, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to like, um, yeah, say too much about what happens for anyone who hasn't seen it. But um, yeah, just so, just these that whole tough guy persona that he's trying to put on, and it's actually not always very helpful advice. But what I do love is that he's learning as he goes along. Like he's actually, he's actually mentoring kids. And while they're learning valuable things from him, he's actually learning valuable things from them too. Uh, so I love, like you said, that those relationships they set up. The other thing that's interesting is that um, the show like does a, I think it does a pretty good job of showing the difference between mentors, you know, like good mentorship and bad mentorship and, and what it can lead to. And uh, I've really enjoyed seeing that all the way through season five as well. Well, that was Mr. One of Mr. Miyagi's um, comments from season one is yeah. that there's no bad, no such thing as a bad student. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just bad yep. teacher. Yes, and clearly the producers know their Karate Kid one, two, and three very well because they've they incorporate you know a lot of nostalgia, but in a meaningful kind of way, not just for nostalgia's sake. You know, like those callbacks to Mr. Miyagi and everything. Yeah, it's a great series. I watched uh, season five with Isabel. Uh, you know, when it came out this year. Um, our, Isabel and I, our claim to our, our favorite story now with this is, uh, is that when the fourth season came out, we watched it in a day, <laughs> we just watched the whole thing. <laughs> we we're packing our bags to go on holiday with you guys. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And then we watched the whole thing in a day at that point while we were packing, we went to bed at I think one o'clock in the end, but we we're just so <laughs> like, just so taken in by the story. Yeah. It's good fun. Yes. Uh, my favorite, my favorite line from Joey Lawrence was he was trying to say, He's trying to. He he recorded a video to to advertise Cobra Kai. I think you've seen this, haven't you? And then he, I would have because he's, yeah. he's up to Eagle Fang now. Oh, okay, oh yeah, so you've seen it. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So he's recording a video like on one of the kids' phones to put on Instagram straight, you know, to um to advertise Cobra Kai. And he's doing the whole, you know, you want to be tough, that kind of stuff. And when he finishes, he's like, he goes, now hash brown that video and send it to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just stuff like that. Just yeah, just gets you by surprise. Yeah. Um. Look, my one is uh, Isabel and I have been watching uh, a show called Kim's Convenience. Now, we discovered it by accident on Netflix. And I think someone someone had mentioned it to me. I don't know if Lino mentioned it or someone else. 
anyway, but we we just happen to to come by and start watching it, and it's it's in that vein of comedy series, you know, where you've got like twenty two minute episodes, you know, like kind of situation comedy. Um, this one takes place in Canada, I think in Toronto. I could be wrong about this. But uh, it's about a Korean family who owns a convenience store, hence Kim's Convenience. You know, their surname is Kim. And, you know, the the mum and dad uh, in the family, you know, they speak, you know, they speak English, but they've got very thick Korean, you know, accents. Whereas the kids who are adult, you know, adults now, you know, are very much enmeshed in, you know, in culture and they get it and know what's going on. And it's, you know, there's a difference, you know, there's this difference in understanding between the two. Um, and it's, it's very much... Uh, one of those dra- those things where it's a family comedy uh, and there's a bit of drama mixed in. And, and I like the mixture of drama and comedy, the, the way that they do it. Um, they, the couple are very funny in the way that they look at the world um, and in the inappropriate things that they say to people thinking it's okay to say. So there's a lot that, that kind of comedy as well. Um, but it's uh, I didn't realize that because uh, I did some research on it. So the series Kim's Convenience was um, originally a play, like a stage play, that was written by um, a, a young man who was writing about his experience of growing up as a Korean in, in Canada, and his dad had owned a convenience store. So the actors that did the play uh, were, are in the series, except for the, the son. The son was the playwright. Um, he also played, uh, you know, he wrote the play and played the son as well. But he, uh, I think he produced the TV show, and then he got, um, I think it's Sim Lu, who plays uh, Shang-Chi in the Marvel uh, movies now, so he play he played the son in the series. So there's five five um five seasons of it. We're in season three now, um, and it's very funny all the way through. Uh, however, family content warning: you can't watch it with your kids because unfortunately there are episodes that are all adult humor. Um, there are some, there are quite a few that aren't, but um, but yeah, definitely not one to watch with the with the kids. Um, th- there's one episode I thought was quite the the funniest scene I've had so far is where um is where the the daughter is looking after the store and then the dad walks in with a um he calls it a bullhorn what do we call it you know the megaphone right he's, mm-hmm. he's got a megaphone and um and she's goes what are you doing he goes i got this for five dollars she goes why did you get it he goes because it was five dollars it's a bargain <laughs> and then and then he goes to the front of the store behind the desk and while she's working and he starts using it and he goes like you know he goes Janet, clean up in aisle two. She's getting really annoyed. And then and then he goes, Janet, can you come to the front desk? And she goes, I'm not coming. And there's other customers. And he goes, when Janet was four years old, she said she wanted to marry her daddy. And he starts, and so he's like, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Yeah, so it's like comedy like that. There's some really good moments. So totally recommend it. Yeah, uh, that's all I've got for today. Anything else, Jerry? No, that's, um, yeah, I usually sort of do one TV show at the time. So yeah, we're, uh, we... I'll be I'll be on I'll be on that one for a while I think. Yeah, yeah. It'll take a bit of time to get through. I don't, it. I don't I don't I don't eat it all in one go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just watch it slowly. Except for yeah, season four. We yeah we did yeah we did eat all in one go. We we got hooked. <laughs> yeah, I have to throw out a special mention of Star Trek Lower Decks by the way as well. So I've been watching that. It's a it's like a comedy sort of adult Star Trek um, series. Uh, they uh, they revisited a location from a beloved uh, Star Trek series called Deep Space Nine. And the episode was amazing. I have to mention that too. It was very funny, but also kind of emotional, like nostalgic emotional. Like the, it was like a, it was an episode of Lower Decks. However, it felt like an episode of Deep Space Nine. So the writers knew what they were doing. So shout out for that one. All right. So um, let's wrap it up there. So uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to, um, to thank our patrons and to thank you for listening to episode 85 of the Catholics of Oz. Our patrons make it possible for us to create this show, and today we would love to thank Hayden S., Amanda H., Dave G., Franklin P., and Mary S. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all the shows on StarQuest to continue. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, we would love to know your thoughts about the topics we've discussed today. So you can send your feedback by visiting sqpn.com, where you can also find the links from today's show. And while you're at the website, don't forget to sign up for the StarQuest Insiders Club and get the newsletter to get updates about your favorite shows, which is at sqpn.com slash about 
slash newsletter. Don't forget that uh, SQPN has all of its socials as well. Facebook.com slash Starquest Media. The, uh, the handle at SQPN. Also search for Starquest on, uh, on Instagram. It's all there. And don't forget that we have our own Catholics of Oz Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz. Spelt OZ. You can also join us there and, uh, and uh, discuss our episodes. And also don't forget that you can also find us on Discord through SQPN's Discord. So the details for that are at SQPN.com slash discord so you can sign up there um and also don't forget you can reach us by good old email which is catholics of oz at sqpn.com jerry it was awesome having you this is like a a blast from the past from the past from a blast from the past it was a it was also a blast from the past so thank you jerry so much for joining me today and saving me from doing a solo episode so thank you for joining me for today's episode today it's been a pleasure, and I think we need a round of applause now that we have both of our hands. Yay! <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Yeah, clap, clap. Yeah. Um, Dom, insert some clapping noises here, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and insert the sound of two hands clapping. Yeah, just two hands. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and once again, I'm Lizzie Sands, and thank you so much for joining us on episode 85 of the Catholics of Oz. 